Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So today we are continuing our September worship series on the names and titles of God. And last week we spoke about the Hebrew word for God. So when we are reading our Bible and we see God with a capital G, the word in Hebrew would be Elohim. And today we're going to talk about when we see an intriguing word in a special way, and that is the word Lord. And what I read to you a moment ago was the first time we encounter it, all the way back in Genesis chapter 2. We find Lord with a capital L and small caps O-R-D. And we read Lord as in master, the one that is in charge of an estate or a plot of land, the one to whom we look for guidance, the one that will guard us. That is a Lord. And as we look at that, you might wonder why it looks different. Why isn't it like every other word? And that's because what is really hiding behind the image that you see. I want to share with you a couple of slides you'll see. The word in Hebrew for Lord is Adonai. And it's actually a plural, just as Elohim is the plural of gods. Our God is so big that God is almost plural. It would, it would be bigger than just any God. And you see the same in the plural of Lord Adonai. And our next slide is going to show you that where you see Lord, with the capital L and the small caps O-R-D, if you were reading in Hebrew, you would actually see the letters Y-H-W-H, and those would be pronounced Yahweh. In Hebrew, you don't put in the vowels, and so it makes it very difficult to read. But if you are fluent in biblical Hebrew, then you would see those, those letters, and you would know that you were seeing Yahweh. And what you see there is the personal name of God the Father. Just like my personal name is Sarah. And when you are invited to know and speak someone's personal name, you are invited into a deeply personal, intimate relationship. And it's so fitting that that name is revealed in the most intimate portrayal of creation of humankind in our scripture. Now, in the first Genesis creation story, we find God creating through the word, kind of distanced and looking down and over and proclaiming everything good. And in the second creation story that we just started, immediately our God named Yahweh starts to get very deeply involved, almost anthropomorphically, physically taking and forming the first person out of the dust of the ground and then breathing in life through the nostrils. So close, so personal and intimate. And then there is life. And God continues to kind of guide and guard and nurture not only that first person, but the relationship and the wisdom and the experiences that the first person, Adam, whose relationship is defined as the tiller of the Adama, the ground. And so you might be thinking to yourself, well, if God's name is Yahweh, how come I haven't heard about that before? 
And there's actually a perfectly good reason. And it's clouded not only by the events of Christianity, but even further back. So in the 500s BC, the, the nation of Babylon came and conquered the southern kingdom of Judah. And they laid waste to the temple that Solomon built. And then took off the people into exile. And while they were in exile, they began a process of reformation. They began to say, how did we get here? What went wrong? And how do we keep from ever doing this again? So that by the time they were liberated by Cyrus of Persia, and they were sent home and equipped to rebuild their temple, they had already begun to look with introspection at how they applied the laws and the commandments of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And there they found one of the practices that they had apparently adopted was being too flippant with God's name. And so they started to get creative about how can we acknowledge God but still not mess with God's personal name. And so you see that in the text even now, that where they would see the, the wording for Yahweh, they would speak out loud, Adonai, our Lord, so that they wouldn't, uh, in unintended consequences, take God's name in vain. And we received that. In fact, back in the beginnings of Christianity, we started to adopt those practices. You, many of us will refer to Jesus as our Lord, Jesus Christ, continuing that reverence and recognizing that there is a, a, a difference in power and there's a hierarchy, that God is at the top. And we also continue to explore the names. When God came to us as God the Son and was incarnate in Jesus, we got to learn the personal name of that person of the Trinity. So we know Yahweh, God the Father, and we know Jesus, God the Son. And Jesus gives us the name of God the Holy Spirit, and that is the Advocate. So we have these names, and we are invited to utilize them. So why didn't we know this beforehand? In fact, it, it took me starting to study with Jews in college before I had ever heard the word Yahweh. But I had grown up hearing a different name, and perhaps you did too. That's the name Jehovah. So where did Jehovah come from? It actually comes from a well-intended but unfortunate mistake in translation by a man named William Tyndale. And he was trying to accomplish exactly what Martin Luther wanted in the Protestant Reformation. Of his 95 complaints, one of which was that Martin Luther wanted the people to be able to have their own Bible and to study it and to read it and to be edified by the Bible. But in his day, the Bible was entirely printed in Latin, the language of the church. And he recognized that the people in his parish spoke German. They didn't know the Latin. They couldn't read. And they didn't have access to a Bible in their language. In fact, most of the time, you had to go to Mass just to hear the Bible. You didn't have one at home. And he wanted to change that. He wanted to empower every Christian to search the Scriptures. And many were inspired by that idea, including Tyndale. And so what he started was to try to take the Bible that at the time was in Latin and try to translate it into his native tongue, English. And as he tried to do that, he upset a great many people, including the Anglican Church, the Church of England. And he actually would end up fleeing and seeking refuge in another nation. And ultimately, 
he would be murdered for his belief that every Christian should have access to the Bible in their own language. And what we discover is that he was attempting to do something noble and good, but he made an, an unfortunate error and a mistake. And when he saw YHWH, he didn't understand that in Hebrew, that's what it was. And instead, he switched a few letters and Yahweh became Jehovah. Now, unfortunately, that's not God's name. Just like if you suddenly started calling me Sally, you've got a couple of the letters right, but it's not my name. And so there has been a shift, especially in clergy and in academia, to try to get people to recognize the correct name. Unfortunately, if I'm out in public and you call Sally, I'm not going to pay any attention. That's not my name. But if we call Jehovah, I think God is capable. But we have been gifted God's real name. So why not use it? Because it conveys a desire to know. That is the name that God has given God's self and that then God gifts to us that we might call out with that personal name. It's one of the reasons why I am inspired not to make people call me by my last name. It's hard to pronounce, first of all. But the other thing is that sometimes it's tied to my very formal legal title of reverend. And a lot of times when people say reverend, it has a different connotation and baggage and it makes it seem like we're not on the same level but what's important to me is that we're all in this together. And so I encourage people to call me Sarah. Now, a lot of adults want the children to call me Pastor Sarah, and that's fine. And if that's your comfort level, you're welcome to call me Pastor Sarah. But Sarah will do. That's the name that my parents gave me. It's the name that God knows me by. It's the name that represents to me who I am, whether I'm wearing liturgical vestments or not. And when you invoke that name, it means that you want to know me and be in relationship with me and talk with me. And I welcome that just as God does. So our names are so important to us because they convey a level of relationship that we yearn for. We want to be known just like we want to know others. And God has invited us into that same sort of relationship. How powerful and profound is that? And when William Tisdale was working in the 1500s, he was trying to help people get to know God. That was his intention. And his works were not completed. Unfortunately, he died before he was able to complete his desire of translating the entire Bible. But his work was powerful. He was an English scholar. And as his work became available, it was sourced later by one of the most well-known English translations of the Bible by a new monarch in England, King James. And so his work was most heavily used and informed the creation of the King James Version of the Bible, which is why if you're part of a denomination that utilizes that translation, you will not see Yahweh. You will see Jehovah. And it doesn't mean that you're flippant about God, but it just lets us know that that's why a lot of us didn't hear that name, because we came up in a different, uh, different era, sometimes different translations. My grandfather was a deacon in the Southern Baptist Church, the only Bible my grandfather had was a King James Version. We have a different version in the United Methodist Church, and now there are so many versions that you can get. But do you see how it's important what translation you're using? It makes a difference. And one of the biggest differences it makes is what it empowers us to do when we speak certain names. God names us too. That's why there are so many opportunities for us to pay attention to naming in the Bible. Sometimes when someone takes that next step in covenant with God, God gives them a new name. 
and that new name to be named by God, how amazing would that be if God looked down and gave you a new name? It's also behind the practice that many of our siblings in Christ in the Catholic Church have at baptism where you might receive a new name. But God has given you a name. God has named you beloved. You are beloved to God. And that is the name that God has given you. And when you say, God, it's your beloved, God knows who you are, knows your voice, knows your name, and knows your heart. And it is at that level that you begin your conversation, your prayer, your praise. That's what we are invited into by utilizing God's name and God's title. All of our prayers and our praise music and our hymns, they are informed by the title that we choose to use. When I'm praying after a tragic event or if I'm visiting with somebody who is suffering in the hospital, I will be very intentional about crying out to a merciful and mighty God, a God who chooses to be defined by God's mercy, liberating us not just from our sins and our death, but from our pain and our suffering. And a mighty God, a God who is powerful enough to do that. That frames the prayers that we offer together. That's why it's so important for us to be equipped and empowered to use the right name and the right title for the right prayer. You don't want to sing a hymn about a God that doesn't want to know you and then sing, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. You want to feel that God knows you and is invested in that relationship and the right name or title undergirds that. And what an honor it is to be able to call God by God's name. And so when we are lifting up our prayers and our praise, God sees in our choice of words, our intentionality, that we do want to be in right relationship. And I'm sure that that warms God's heart. If we pay attention to what people choose to, ha to have us call them, it reveals a level of relationship. I was always marveling at some of my colleagues that had gone on and gotten their doctorate in ministry, and they didn't go by doctor. And then I would find out later that they were the reverend doctor. And I'd say, well, why don't you use your full title? And they're like, the doctor isn't the part that matters. The part that matters is that I serve God's people. And that's what reverend means. It means that I serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by serving you. And so the title should undergird who we are and how we understand ourselves in relationship to God and one another. And if we're not using names that reflect that, what are we doing with names and titles? So many times you'll be out and you'll hear people that aren't even Christian invoking Jesus' name. And they use it as kind of an exclamation, almost like a profanity. And they'll say, Jesus H. Christ, which always confuses me because he doesn't have a middle name that starts with H. And yet they do this. And then you're going, what? I'm so lost with your incorrect naming of Christ. I don't even know what to do with the rest of your statement. But it is profane. It is to take a name that is weighed with unparalleled grace and to turn it into almost a curse word because it usually comes out before anger and sometimes expletives. When Christ did not come to us in anger, he didn't come to us and curse us. He came to heal and to bless and his name ought to be invoked under those circumstances. When we cry out to God, it's appropriate for us to call on God by name 
But when we're only crying out for attention or out of anger, God shouldn't be slandered by that. So it's important for us to be tender, thoughtful, and intentional with the name that we use for our Lord. But in our world, you'll find so often that people have co-opted those names, and they use them for their own purposes. But do we as Christians show that same thoughtfulness about their name? We are living in a time and an era where people like to take names and turn them into derogatory statements. We exist in a time where people like to turn around the lettering of your name or how it may sound similar to a nasty word and use that. There's nothing Christian about that. Names are a connection to a person, a beloved child of God, a being of sacred worth, endowed with dignity by their creator. And we should be thoughtful about that. We shouldn't use someone's name to mock them, to deride them. We should use their name to foster a relationship, to allow us to connect there can be no transformation if there is distance and divide. That's why Christ came to us in Jesus of Nazareth. That's why God has continually come to us in the presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, and given us a piece of that same advocate. Not that we might have all that we need, but that we in turn might become advocates for others. So over the next week, may we all be a little more careful and intentional and mindful of how we name other people, how we refer to them to their face, behind their back, and even on the internet. May we pay attention because God is paying attention to how we talk. That's why there are so many commandments and prohibitions against flippant words and using words to entrap people in contracts and being flippant about our vows because God pays attention to words. God uses words to create. Christ used words to set free. Our words are powerful. And when you have the power to name and to use a name, you have the power to forge a relationship or to destroy it. And we are not here to destroy. We are here to build up on the cornerstone of Christ, our firm foundation. And to empower us to do this, God has given us God's own name, Yahweh. Call upon me and I will come, says the Lord. If you call out to me, I hear you, I know you, and I am coming to you. May we honor that. May we give it all the reverence it is due, that the name is a promise, and use it accordingly, not only to help to cement our relationship with our God, but to invite others to have that same blessing and that gift. And by giving our name and inviting them to share their own, we are beginning a new relationship and journey together. For we are all called to be one in Christ. And we will only do that if we are more intentional about safeguarding a name because it is tied to a person, a beloved child of God. May it be so.
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.